Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, good morning, Scott Mosby at the helm. We are destined to have a wonderful sprint of 45 minutes. Welcome, hello, good morning, USA. How are you? Howdy, hey there, Srasvite, ciao, yo. What's happening, dude? Hey, oh man, (laughs) what happened to me? Well, I've had a little bit of a break away at school again, University of Business in terms of building science, how to put things together, build them, make them stand up, oh my gosh, and perform as expected. Home improvement is the 45-minute sprint. This is the Helitech Camwex Home Improvement Show. Scott Mosby, I am here. Bosco, still back. He took a little break with me. We let Amron do the electrical generation duties. While we were away, we took a little bit of break, went back to school. Yeah. So I'm here with you. Thank you to Tyler Clough, our VP of production at Mosby Building Arts. He's certainly somebody who knows stuff. He has forgotten more than I have learned. And he is one of the people that keep me sharp here on KMOX. This is my 21st year. It's an honor to sit the seat. I am very pleased to be part of the KMOX family. This is fun. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. It's a wonderful place. March Madness. Oh, baby. Blues, Cardinals, basketball. Oh, it's it, it it's a great march, I think. Stay tuned right here on KMOX. We've got cards coming up right after my show. And then this evening, 6 p.m., Blues against Columbus. Hear hockey on KMOX. It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. A wo- All right, I'll tell you what. Let's get it between the lines, I promise. Phone lines for you. For you. No, yet, no, yet you. Quit ducking me. It's you. 314-436-7900. Toll free 800-925-1120. If you would like to call from anywhere on the globe. A few things happening today. Kind of a fun thing going on right now. It's an exterior seminar at the uh, De Pere Center. And it's, uh, or excuse me, today it's at the uh, MAC. So lots of things happening there. And that's right in De Pere. My apologies. Coming up next month, April 14th, it'll be a bathroom seminar. If you're interested to bathrooms and how to get them, uh, small, medium, large, complex, simple, change out of fixtures, full-blown remove the walls change the plumbing move stuff around there you go april 14th bathrooms check it out call mosby.com all that you want to know it's our responsibility through camwex the radio waves face-to-face and teaching seminars in the classroom we love to bring it to you Anyway, my day job is at Mosby Building Arts. Uh, This is our 71st year in business. Uh, I'm not even that old. I'm 64. Proud to be 64. I aspire to 94 one day. Uh, Maybe you do too. Comes with a few aches and pains and, you know, various morning uh, maladies that uh, seem to improve and increase with time. However, if you are a do-it-yourselfers or you have someone that you are going to uh, ask to do professionally, this is the forum. This is the radio show. This is the place. So if you've got something you're working on at home, bring it on. 436-7900. If you know somebody that just bought their first home, this is the place. Believe me, we all started out not knowing much, and we learned it. 
uh, sometimes by mistakes, sometimes by training, and sometimes a mix of all of the above. Well, I'm a mix of all of the above. Uh, I say let's get rolling and see what's cooking right now, right on the phone line, see what's happening here. Nancy, Scott Mosby here. Good morning. How may I help? Hi. Thank you for your service. Um, I wanted your opinion on uh, the best choice for a a fence, uh, the red cedar versus the pressure-treated wood. Mm-hmm. And I've heard a little bit like the warping with the pressure treated and the maintenance of a cedar. Uh, What do you think is best deal for your money? Uh, Well, first off, anything that goes in the ground is pressure treated. And there are two different kinds of pressure treated. There's 0.020 and 0.040. We just slang-wise call them 20%, 40%. The 40% was developed treated lumber was developed for wood house foundations. So that's suitable for below grade application. So if you're going to bury this post, whatever the upper part of the, of the uh, um, fence is, I recommend that it be treated posts into the ground. Uh, once you get above the ground, now you're the, the inherent question that you're asking, Nancy, in my world of experience is, do you want a hard, strong framing lumber um, which is treated lumber, to be your fence, or do you want a softer, a little more um, uh, pleasing to look at uh, fence? Uh, And the treated lumber will outlast the cedar. The cedar will look better than the treated after about two years. So your, your cedar fence up above the ground is going to last you, depending upon how much stuff is grown around, whether you have ivy gl- growing on it. If you don't have anything growing on it and it gets a reasonable amount of sun and wind, it'll last 15 to 20 years before it, it not necessarily falls apart, but it starts growing enough green stuff that it's hard to keep any kind of finish on it. Treated lumber, like decking, is a hard lumber, and if it decides to warp, and return to a tree, it is such a hard, what's called fiber stress lumber, that it'll pull the nails out of the fence and, and it'll just bend. Uh, cedar is softer, easier to stain, doesn't last as long, and generally looks better. So those are your two choices of, do you want the less costly, long-lasting, less attractive in my mind, or the a little more costly, uh, take stain better, a little more attractive above, or the best of both. So treated posts, uh, absolutely. My choice would be a cedar. I, I just like the good-looking stuff. Okay. That, that, that helps a lot. And again, thank you for being my consultant. Well, Nancy, the decision's still yours. I just try and lay out what your choices are and the consequences of each one. Um, and, um, you know, it's a big... And, and frankly, um, they're, the treated chemical in the treated lumber, if you do a treated post... Uh, the hardware has to be rocket science NASA stuff because it, it'll literally eat the nails. So you can't just let, you know, Mo, Larry, and Curly go out there and nail this thing up. Should you stain the cedar or put some – will that help its oh, longevity yeah. or – Yes, yes. I, I, I think wood outdoors needs some sort of a preservative. There are certain types of wood that don't. Um, which is a, you know, it's an Ipe, I-P-E with a little schwa, Ipe, Paolope, Diamond Deck, that stuff is all, but it it literally sinks in water, it's, um, termites won't eat it, and it, you know, costs like buying a car. Yeah, I've, it is more expensive. <laughs> uh, what, this is like a semi-rural area, mm-hmm. and they're, 
they're doing it ba- basically for their pets. Yeah. But there are deers in the neighborhood and coyotes, and they're going with the forefoot. And I've had a dog that can clear a forefoot. Oh, deer can clear forefoot easily. Yeah, that's so. I said, well, if you're going to put that money in it, you know, you can't put an addition on after you've figured out you got a dog that's a jumper <laughs> or a deer. I understand. So, would you go with a five, or would you take all the neighbors off and go with a six? Uh, no, I, I a four foot. You're going to get better sight lines. So sitting in your house, looking outdoors, you'll look over the fence and you'll see the distance. Five feet, you're pretty much going to see half and half. It's like windowsill decisions inside of a breakfast room or a house. Uh, you know, more is not always better here, Nancy. Be careful. A, a six foot fence, your sight line stops right at that fence. You can't see fast past it. So again. You know, with a swimming pool, it needs to be five feet or thereabouts uh, or above, 48 inches or above. uh, And then, you know, so be careful what you ask for. You just might get it. Yeah. And think those things through on what you really want. What's the function of the fence and, and, you know, how blocked in, closed in, sight line restricted you want to be. Okay. Well, thank you. You've given me a lot to relay to her. This is for my daughter. You were talking about newly married people this is at their house together they get married in october and they're kind of going back and forth with this fence and so i said well i'll i'll call my consultant saturday morning and see what he says well here's a funny thing that that we do sometimes uh go out in the backyard pick the best view uh drive a stake into the ground that's four feet out of the soil Drive another one two feet away, five feet out of the soil. Drive another one two feet away, you know, six feet out of the soil. And then sit inside that house and, and imagine what it's like with what you can see and whether that achieves what you're after. So, Good suggestion. Uh, I'm trying to talk them into not doing, I mean, it's over an acre. Mm-hmm. Why do you want to lose that panoramic view? Oh. You're, you're, it's not like you're going to leave the dog out when you're gone. It's only, you know, so you can mop the floors and put him outside oh yeah and there are those wireless you know the wire type fences for uh you know dog enclosures those get i mean we start paying for all that lumber and you know maintenance over the years you know you can do you know all kinds of uh, dog control things that you only zap them about five or six times and they learn yeah okay well thank you for giving me lots to think about and again thank you for uh your expertise and all the callers. I learn from the callers, too. Isn't that fun? Well, I do, too. I, I enjoy that. I enjoy the seat. It's, uh, it's one of the most fun things I've ever done. Okay. Thank you very much. Have a great Saturday. <laughs> all right, Nancy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Stay tuned. More coming up here before the Cardinals play, then the Blues, and then more fun, and then we're locked in a studio with all kinds of... <sighs> well, Scott here. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, more fun than a barrel of monkeys and uh, adults should be allowed to have in a corner studio. It's, it's overcast. The weather is not exciting, but your calls are. I have phone lines open for you, 314-436-7900, Surely you've been waiting for these questions, because when the weather changes, it's time to do something with the house. Uh, walkabout in the house, it's a, something I really like to see you do. Uh, you go in for a checkup, some malady happens to you, your health isn't quite right, some bump, some whatever it is. You get help, you get a second set of eyes. You need to do the same for your house. Take a walkabout in your house 
indoors, walk around, look at the windows, the screens, the doors, all of that. We still have some, uh, you know, some moving concrete. Uh, garage doors need some maintenance. Uh, you go in for a, a yearly checkup generally, maybe twice a year, depending upon what your medical history is. Um, but it's important. Uh, go outside, look up on the roof, see what's up there. Check your gutters. Be aware. Is there anything growing inside your gutters? That's bad. If you've got any kind of sprigs coming out or it's been a while since you looked. <laughs> yeah, those gutters are very important things to managing the water down and away from your house. Our, our show sponsor, Helitech, would like for you to pay attention to this. It's very important. Uh, also, are the shingles looking okay? Do you have any big sticks, branches, uh, debris on the roof that you know, just normally isn't there on normal things. Uh, take a look at the chimney if you have anything or dormers. Look for any discoloration, any indication that there's something bad going on. Also, be aware that, you know, we've had some, you know, cold stuff in December and January. Had some very, very cold snaps. You can have ice damming where literally the ice in the water creeps up underneath the roof shingles themselves and then leak then melts turns into water and it soaks into the sheathing if you can get up in your attic take a peek around you know uh, you know you don't have to crawl up in there just stick your head up in there with a flashlight look around for your valleys the dormers things like that uh inside any kind of uh plaster drywall discoloration that's important so really just look at the top part of your house next week i'll take you through what's around on the various things well let's get back to the phones see what's cooking here and talk to pat hey pat scott here good morning how can i help hi scott hey uh i'm doing an addition and uh we got the subfloor down and some of the framing lumber up on the walls and got tons of rain on it and I'm wondering if that's going to affect it or anything I can do to kind of minimize water damage. Uh, what is your subfloor? Is it OSB? It is OSB. It's called a Dura, premium Durastrand. Okay. Uh, it's good OSB. Uh, if you have puddling, keep in mind all floor joists are not created equal. Some are up crown, down crown. You know about all that. You might have puddles in the floor. Uh, you will go over that subfloor with another layer of underlayment or something before typically you put on your carpeting. Uh, when I get puddles like that and, and one or two weddings, even three is not a problem for your OSB. What happens is when you have puddles sitting there for a week, that's a problem. Uh, and then you're better off just drilling holes, letting the water go into the crawl space or the foundation, whatever, but kind of take the pressure off of that soaking latent puddle or pool. Uh, so really just look for those. Uh, but generally you can take a week of this rain, you know, week and a half. Um, you're okay with that. And, uh, and what you're really doing, uh, make sure you're going to find out whether you put this OSB in right, because you're supposed to leave an eighth of an inch gap for days like today where it gets wet, sweat, and uh, if you put the boards in too tight, you'll see the butt joints, the end-to-end -end joints uh, start to swell and blister uh, because they're literally the boards, you know, the plate, the ply sheets are getting bigger. Um, it's, it, I didn't put it down, but it's, uh, it's tongue and grooved and then it's glued and nailed down to uh, engineered floor joists. So okay. I don't 
Yeah. I don't think there's gaps. Yeah, you're in pretty good. Well, there better be some gaps. It's still, I mean, tongue and groove is to the edge, but end to end where you've got a 96-inch, 8-foot piece of sheet, you know, that's where they're supposed to leave those eight, uh, eighth-inch gaps a little bit. It looks a little funny to a consumer, but you do have to leave some space, you know, just like a hardwood floor. The reason there's quarter round on your baseboard is because the hardwood floor gets bigger and smaller with seasons. Well, your OSB, plywood, any kind of subfloor does as well. Okay, I'll have to take a look at it and look at it good. And what about the uh, all the two by four framing? Is is it gonna? It was pretty nice and straight. Is it gonna start warping and getting no funny shapes? No, not unless you leave it out for months. I mean, it, the stuff, if it's a, a normal uh, progression of assembly, I mean, even if it's out in the weather for a month, it, you know, it's a tough month here in March and April. But, you know, normal rain, you know, they, they engineer this stuff for normal weather cycles. And the stuff generally gets stored outside anyway. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. If, if it's still open in, a, in six weeks from now, uh, yeah, then I'd be worried about it. You'll okay. know visually, you know, Pat, you'll be able to see any problems with that. And it's really just the OSB floor. Your two-by-four uh, plates and studs, those things can suck up water like crazy, like a sponge, as long as it's got a dryness area after you get it, you know, roofed in and it gets a chance to dry out. Wood gives back all that moisture. It's a really, really good um, manager of taking up and getting rid of water. Uh, so not to worry. Actually, it's pretty good stuff for doing just what's being happening right now. And that's why metal studs didn't really take on. You'd think metal studs don't absorb anything. Well, the problem is you get a little moisture inside a wall cavity. It goes right to liquid water. With wood studs, it sucks up the moisture, and you never have a leak or a problem or rust or, you know, any of that. So Right. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, one other question. We're punching holes in the wall for various things. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's good to seal around the, uh, you know, where the conduit goes through the, the wall? Um, can you just use, um, you know, regular expanding foam or do you have to use a some type of waterproof stuff? No, Pat, it, the low-tech stuff is good. Your siding still has the responsibility. Um, you know, basically, uh, I'll use caulking. I'll use half tubes of caulking. We'll use spray foam. Uh, we'll use uh, in regular minimal expanding. Whatever. All you're trying to do is block the movement of air. The fire guys would love it because flames move through those holes as well. Uh, and when you're horizontal all on one floor, it doesn't matter. You're just, you're just kind of closing it up for the air movement. When you get between floor one and floor two... Or floor two in the attic, that's when you need a fireproof expansion foam or caulk. Okay, yeah, no, I was actually talking about through the foundation wall. Oh, oh, through the concrete? Yes. Oh, baby. No, no. That's big. You're in the, everything I just said is wrong. It, you go, you go straight to gold. It, uh, number one, what's going through that wall? Is it plastic or metal? They move differently and they require different sealants around it. It is electrical conduit, plastic. Plastic. Uh, then you, uh, I would then advise a urethane, like a um, oh, uh, OSI has one, um, um, MD Macklinburg Duncan. Uh, anything you're paying five or six bucks a tube for, and read on it, it'll say urethane. Uh, the reason is because it sticks to most everything. It gets along pretty well in the moist, and it'll let that uh, plastic conduit slide back and forth a little bit, which it will. Okay. Urethane is what I'm looking for. Urethane, yep. Yeah, that's it. And then on the outside, you would go ahead and coat that urethane with whatever waterproofing material, whether it's an asphalt or a spray coating or a membrane, whatever. You let the foundation guys go ahead and do that too. Right. 
Okay. All right. Thanks, Scott. All right. Good luck, Pat. Uh, Bye. I love this stuff. <laughs> I love this stuff. Pardon me. Scott Mosby here, KMOX. You know, I've been gone a little bit. I need to smell some dirt. Those of you that love building stuff or you're in the construction trades, I love the smell of dirt. Now, it's going to be mud today, so it doesn't smell like what I want. But anyway, home improvement, KMOX, Helitech Home Improvement Show. We are yours and at your service here. Scott Mosby saying, hey. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, blazing down the river. We are doing all sorts of things together. Let's go right to the phone lines and talk to a patient, Shirley. Hey, Shirley, good morning. How can I help? Uh, uh, yes, I need to get a fence replaced, mm-hmm. and I have a wooden fence. It's a redwood fence. Okay. And I live in the city, and the one question was, do you know if I need to get a permit to get a new fence? Oh, boy, howdy, yes. Um, uh, If you build a fence too close to the street, you can block the sight lines on an intersection. If you build it too tall, you can block the views of your neighbors. If you put it in the wrong place and don't get a survey first, you literally can violate the law of somebody else. This is... is uh, in my yard, it it will not be in the front. It's in the back. I understand. The answer is yes, yes, yes. If you put it up on your roof, you need a permit. Fences are the number one violation of permits in the state because it just seems like a fence. But there's so many things that affect that. I, you want you want a battle? Uh, put a fence up without a permit. You'll have the police there so quick. You won't be able okay. to turn your well, head. I've I've like I said, I've lived here for forty years. And I've never done this before because my husband used to deal with this stuff, and yeah. he was killed at Kings Highway and Gravelways by a driver. Ouch. Yeah, he was run down. He was a pedestrian. So anyway. He was um, on his way to City Hall to get a fence permit. No, he was coming from oh. Walgreens and all these there, Ouch. Holly Hills and Gravelways. But anyway, and the other question is, uh, people have been suggesting a vinyl fence. Yeah. Are are they good? I mean, I need something that's not going to be that I have to have it painted every year or two because I'm not able to do that. Sure. And I'm visually impaired, so I want to make sure it looks good where I might not catch something that, you know. So that's what I was wanting to know is wooden or vinyl I, I like them all, but the least maintenance is a vinyl fencing, and they've come a long way. So I would certainly not rule out a, a vinyl fence. They're very low maintenance. Uh, it, you're still buying the quality of the fence company. So, you know, go by reputation as to who you call is more important than the type of fence. But I, I think uh, a vinyl fence can be very attractive. I think a wood fence can be very – but they take uh, maintenance. So, you know, I, I'm, I, think, I think you're a perfect candidate for a vinyl fence. Okay. Yeah. Do you, how do I get the permit? Do I? Nope. Ha- nope. You hire the right guys. If they come in and say, well, we don't need to get a permit, fire them. They're well, not only the are ones they- that I contacted. And I mean, I can say they're say the company. Yeah. But it's Chesterfield fence. They said they do not get the permit. I, it would be my responsibility. Oh, well, and, but you need a permit. 
Well, I know, but that's what I'm saying. It would be hard for me to get to City Hall or wherever I had to get it from, and and that's why I was – because even my neighbor said, oh, no, you don't need a permit. So that's where – yeah, uh, make, if, if, if Chesterfield, I think, will get the permit for you. It'll be an additional cost because it takes a lot of time to get the permit, but that's why people don't like getting them. So I, I would still go through Chesterfield because they're going to ask questions, what kind of fence, they're going to want a survey, they're going to want a picture, there's a drawing even still for a fence. So, yeah, for sure, surely. If but, you're, but I, I, if the fence is completely on my property and it doesn't even go to the edges of my property... It, it's from my garage to the post of my carport. It, it's it's like in the middle of my yard. I, I get it, it, but prove it. I mean, that all they don't care what you're doing. They just want to make sure you're following the rules. Well, They're, I know, but I meant you said because of the survey is what I I you would will mean. need a survey. You will. You will need a survey to prove this fence is on your property for a fencing permit. They they're not going to come out and look. They they. This, welcome by world, Shirley. It, it, it's not easy, but it is. Please understand. Yeah. It, the, you well, like I say, my husband used to do this stuff on his own, and yeah. he would get the permit. And all, all right, like Shirley, that. I'm going to have to go. We're going to Cardinals.